girl. Welcome to the Empower Her podcast, where we are all about taking purpose-driven action toward building lives we really freaking love. My name's Keisha, and I'm an entrepreneur obsessed with giving you actual tools to help take you from where you are now to where you want to go in your life, career, and relationships. And this podcast is all about real talk and having some fun as we share incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Girl, I am so excited that you're here for today's episode. This conversation is so powerful, and I think there are some of you, maybe you specifically, that really need to hear this. You're going to feel so seen and heard and understood and have some tactical things to support you if you or someone you love is going through a season of something really hard. Navigating grief is something we often don't talk about, but I had to bring on Ashley Lemieux. If you're not familiar with her, she is a mental wellness and grief expert. She's a best-selling author. Her most recent book is called I Am Here. She's a speaker. She's a mom now. And what's really interesting about her that I love, like I love following her on social media because her whole brand is about normalizing the stuff that's hard to talk about, but she does it in this beautiful, transparent way. It's just like you're chatting with a girlfriend when you're talking to her. It's very empower her style. Like, come with me. Let's figure this out together. But she's also highly educated. She's highly researched, but she has so much personal experience. She has been through so much hard stuff and she talks a lot about it in a very transparent, vulnerable way in this conversation. I think you're really going to connect with her. I think you're just going to love her. And this conversation is going to be so powerful. It's going to be one that you want to text to a girlfriend that's going through a hard season or that you want to share on social media because people need to have resources like Ashley. And this is why I brought her on the show. She even talks about her infertility journey. She talks about grieving the loss of, you know, her baby that she was growing in her body. Like, I mean, it's some heavy stuff, but it's also really powerful because life comes with ups and downs and grief is part of life. So we have to normalize this conversation. So without further ado, I'm so excited to jump into this. And now let's dive in. Ashley, I am so excited to have you here. Welcome to the show, girl. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy that we can finally connect in this way and we can just chat a little more about All the things. All the things. In particular, like I really wanted to bring you on the show because I love the content that you put out on social media. I love your perspective on things and also because you have been through some shit and here you are on the other side, you know, and I think it's really important to talk about the hard stuff because there are women in this community that whether it's they're struggling with grief or infertility, or they're just having like a really just, you know, like a tough season of life. I just feel like you're such a strong like voice in saying like, you're, you're going to figure this out. We're going to get through this. You're going to come on the other side, but it also sucks when you're in it. So for context, can you give people kind of like a high level overview of how in the world did you get to the career that you have now and just the life that you have now, the family that you have now? Like, how, how did you get here, Ashley? <laughs> yes. Well, it has been a long road. Yeah. And I, for those of you who don't know anything about me, I'm a grief and mental wellness expert. And I always say, you know, like nothing screams, I'm fun. <laughs> Invite me to an girls night, like being an expert in the one thing that nobody wants to talk about. But both professionally and personally, my experience have have led me to be so passionate about the work that I do. And I'll just take you back even just three years ago. Uh, 
it was the literally the start of the pandemic and we were pregnant and we were so excited to grow our family in that way because we had been through other types of losses before that time that just shattered our world. Yeah. And we had just moved into a new house and the outside world was shut down. And at first I was like, well, at least like, it's okay because we're in our home, we're making space for our new baby. We can focus on his room and, and just getting all of the puzzle pieces together that need to fall into place before a baby comes. And the same day that Arizona, I live in Phoenix, the same day that Arizona shut down basically everything and closed hospitals to outside visitors, except for the patient. Um, I also got very sick. And at first I was really afraid to go to the hospital because everything was so new with this virus and I was pregnant. So we were trying to be very safe. So I was just like at home being like, okay, I'll feel better soon. And it, the soon never came. It just got worse and worse. And to the point where it was midnight and I'm screaming in my bed and I can't get up and my husband has to call uh, ambulance to come and take me to the hospital. And from there we learned that I had gone septic from an undetected infection <sighs> And at first our baby boy was okay. You know, I was farther along in our my pregnancy. Um, and then there came this moment where I, I remember I looked at um, a man came to give me an EKG on my heart because I kept feeling like I, like it was really hard for me to breathe. Yeah. And there was this moment where I looked at him and I asked him if I was going to die. And in that moment, I just knew that my baby, my body could not support me and my baby. And oh. so after, after that, after the rapid response team had left me because I was stable, I said, I need another ultrasound right now because I don't think my baby is, is still here. Yeah. And, um, and I was right. And I delivered him because there were still, so I was doing this alone because there are no visitors oh allowed. Gosh, yeah. And the next morning I deliver him literally by myself. Um, oh. I'm like screaming for nurses to come help. And, and then that tail spinned me into needing to figure out how to heal my body, not just from this traumatic birth, yeah and loss, but also from going septic and from having every system of my body just explode and then figuring out how do we get pregnant again? And, and how, why did that happen? Yeah. And then not being able to get pregnant and not knowing why, and then having to do fertility treatments and then finally getting pregnant with our baby girl who is here now. Yeah. That's the, that's the happy news. I don't want to jump to the end too far, but yeah. she's here now. But in the beginning, the same infection that I had with my first pregnancy, it came back. And then we learned this is just what happens to my body when it's pregnant. And then the the absolute anxiety and fear of being pregnant and feeling safe to yeah. be pregnant and going to get here safely was a lot. And um, that's that's the story behind the family that you see yeah. on social media today. I mean – in that, I think it's really important for someone listening into this that has maybe had a miscarriage before or has gone through something traumatic like that. Like, 
how did you get the courage or even like how did you manage mentally the decision to like try again? Because I feel like that can feel really defeating and scary and the anxiety that comes up with that. So to that person, but then also to the woman listening in who maybe has a friend that's going through something like that and doesn't know what to say. Because you know, sometimes when like a friend is going through something and you're like, you want to be really supportive, but you don't want to say the wrong thing. So like sometimes people don't say anything and I know that can be really hurtful. So can you kind of speak to that too? Yes, definitely. I actually talk a lot about this um, because so many people want to be able to support their friend, but they yeah. don't know how. So I'll start there because I remember <laughs> I had announced um, when I got pregnant with my baby girl, I announced around 10 weeks. And on Instagram, this is an example of what not to do for yeah. a friend. On Instagram, I was getting a lot of comments like, aren't you afraid of announcing too early or aren't you nervous that what's going to happen in the past is going to happen now. And instead of having it be the celebratory thing that had now taken two years <laughs> to have happen again, yeah. um, I was met with a lot of other people's anxiety. And what is so important is that you honor your friend in a way where you celebrate what is happening. And no matter if they tell you at week four or week 12, know that they just need your support. And also you can check in at a later date asking, how are you doing today? And I have realized that when you add the word today on to the, how are you? It gives a very concrete specific, like in this moment, how are you? And then we know how to support them. Mm -hmm. Something else that's really helpful is sending them little baby gifts or sending them, you know, a little text every time you know that they have an upcoming appointment, just just say, hey, thinking about you, can't wait to hear about how your appointment went today. Just letting them know that you are there through this process with them yeah. is so important. And don't be afraid to celebrate with them while also honoring how anxious they might be in the process. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, so good for people to hear because I think that goes with any aspects. Because I know you talk a lot about different aspects of grief and different situations that can come up outside of even just like becoming a mom. But it's like so often people don't want to say anything because they're so afraid of saying the wrong thing. But has your experience been like, it's better for people to kind of like vomit a little bit and try or like, like from your take of some of the hard things that you've gone through, has that been helpful if people say like, I don't know what to say? Yes. Yeah. Here's the thing is that I think especially as women, we want to fix things. Yeah. We want to make it right. We want to, we want, we want to just say the right thing. We want to say the thing that's just going to like fix your pain. and take it away. Yeah. Guess what? That's not your role. Mm. You cannot take your friend's pain away. That is their journey to go through. What your role is, is to sit with them in it, is to show up with food and maybe know that they don't want to see you because they can't see anyone right now. So you leave it on their doorstep. Or maybe it's you just sit on the couch together while they cry and you hold her hand and you don't even say anything. But I think that when we learn that our job isn't to take away the pain, but to show up with someone as they walk through it mm. and let them know they're not alone, it changes the fear that we have around doing the wrong thing. Yeah. I will say that there are things that we can do that can ruin a friendship. It's happened to me in the past. And those types of things, though, come from a place of invalidating, mm. of 
um, making someone feel like their their feelings or their pain aren't as bad as they actually are, yeah. or that they'll just like get over it. Because the thing that happens in grief, grief disconnects us not only from ourselves, but the people around us. It's just part of our response to grief. And so it makes us feel very isolated and very alone. Yeah. And then when we have people who we love and trust that that like support that internal feeling that we are alone and that we have to do it by ourselves because they don't want to be there for us in that season or they don't know how, then it feels more isolating. So if you can validate mm-hmm. and sit with someone in their pain, those are the two biggest ways that you can show up for your friend. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So with everything that you've navigated through, like have there been helpful things that you've done for yourself personally, like tactically when you're in just like a really heavy moment of grief or day or season or week? I mean, you know, obviously there's all different circumstances here, but that has helped you show up to life, like to have hope and feel inspired again. Like how do you get yourself for the woman that's like in a dark place that got herself to press play on this podcast episode? What would you say to her that could maybe be helpful? First, I just want to say that I'm so proud of you for even pushing play on this podcast today because I know that even those small moments feel like they're taking all your energy. I'm proud of you for getting out of bed today or maybe you're in bed listening to your podcast because that's all you can do. But I'm just proud of you for honoring what it is that you know that you need, first of all. The second thing is I like to ask you, where are you in your grief? Because if it's, if this is day one for you, or even if this is day 90 for you, and you're in this space of grief where it's so acute and so fresh and so new, it's really hard to hear when someone tells you to have hope for your future. Yeah, That's not what you need to hear from me right now. What you need to hear from me is that I see you. And I am so sorry for the pain that you are going through. And what I would suggest is finding support around you, therapy, friends, family, while also remembering that your friends and family aren't therapists. And while they can support you the best that they can, having a professional to help you navigate these new feelings is really important. Um, Now, if you're farther along in your journey and you're like, I still feel terrible. What what do I do? How do I reimagine a new future for myself? I'm trying to fit myself back into how life used to be, but Mm. I'm not the same anymore. And I want to tell you that one of the hardest things that brings a secondary loss that we have to grieve is grieving the life that we once knew. Because once you go through a season that changes your view on life, that changes how you view yourself and the world, you can't fit yourself back into how life once was. Mm-hmm. The good news is, is that we're not supposed to because we're different no- now and there are ways to move forward. And the thing with grief that I have learned and, and with all the women that I have worked with and that I've also been taught um, through my own grief research is that we think that grief is going to get smaller over time. Yeah. We think that it's going to shrink. But the reality is that grief doesn't shrink, mm-hmm. but we get bigger. We learn how to grow around it. And as you learn how to grow around it, you are going to learn that grief and joy can coexist. You're going to give yourself permission to explore 
to explore new passions and and new parts of you that are brought to light because you know the I forget who says this quote, but the, where the cracks are is where the light yeah, can break. Through. Yeah. Um, and what's important is that you know that you're allowed to grow around your grief. Mm, that's so powerful. It's interesting because my husband um, lost his dad in July of 2021. And you know, as we're pregnant with a new baby, we were thinking like, how could we have our, you know, our future kids still have some sort of relationship with him, even though he's not here. And we were talking about like, what if we did, he lived in Italy for um, quite some time. We're like, what if we did this like big Italian dinner, like with our kids and we just like celebrated him and his life on his birthday every year. And we were trying to think of like ways that this could be I don't even know the right word for it, but like fun and like had this like cool thing that our kids get to have some sort of relationship with him. But I remember at the beginning stages, there was so much anxiety, like a conversation like that in July of 2021 would have never been possible. Like the capacity to even think about that happening, I couldn't even have imagined it. Yet now this is like something that we can so lightheartedly talk about, you know, it's like, but it's so hard when you're in it. And I love that you mentioned that too, of like, for the woman listening into this at whatever stage of grief, whatever it is that you're navigating through, it's like giving yourself like the compassion that what you need in this season is going to look totally different in a different season. You don't even need to worry about a future version of you, right? Because I think there's like a lot of anxiety that comes from that of, you know, when you're in something hard, like, so a lot of women that listen into this show are um, entrepreneurs, right? They're building businesses or brands and whatnot. And if they're going through something hard, whether it's something with their journey in motherhood or it's something with someone in their family or whatever, like something that they're navigating, they're grieving, is this toggle that they do from a present version of them to like, how am I ever going to figure out how to exist in the future? Or am I ever going to get my fire back for what I once loved before? Because I feel so heavy and it feels so dark right now. So how, what was your journey like with that? Because now it's like, you know, you've got awesome programs that you're doing. You've written several books, like you put out content out there and you're in a very different place than you were back then. But did you have any of those moments where you're like, am I going to get my like spark back? Am I going to feel passionate about the work that I do? Did you have that? Oh, absolutely. And I had, I had it and it lasted for years. I, 2017 was a really hard year for my husband and I, and I felt like my life was literally over and I didn't know how to participate in it anymore. And to be honest, I didn't want to participate in it anymore. Yeah. It was too hard. And it felt like I couldn't see a different future because how could I possibly ever move through those feelings? Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of times we feel like we want to escape our lives during hard seasons, mm-hmm. but what we're really wanting is to escape that feeling in that moment. And so often many of us turn to avoidance. Yeah. And what avoidance does is it tells us that we need to work more and it tells Mm -hmm. us that we need to take on more projects. And it tells us that we need to drink so that, oh, it's just a fun night with friends, but really I want my emotions to not be this heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It tells us that we need to just go mess around in another bad relationship. It, Mm -hmm. it tells us to basically do anything except feel our feelings. And that is the first thing that I had to start doing because I was avoiding and I was running so fast to try to outrun my pain. Yeah. 
but I learned you cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing that you must do is to acknowledge your pain. There's a grief expert who's amazing. His name is David Kessler, and he has created what is called the the six tasks of the grieving. Basically, what are the six main things that we need when we grieve? Mm -hmm. The very first thing is that you need a witness to your grief. You need someone to see you. You need someone to see your pain. And I have learned that that person has to be you. Like when is the last time that you looked in the mirror and you, I mean, like really looked at yourself and you think that girl's staring back at you for how brave she's had to be or how strong she's had to be, or you've acknowledged that she's going through a really hard time and she doesn't know her way out of it, but she deserves to figure that out. Being able to acknowledge ourselves and that we're having a really hard time then allows us to be open to the fact that life looks different than we thought it was going to, which means now that we need new tools that we never knew that we would need to get us to where we want to go because what has gotten us here isn't going to get us to where we want to go next. And that's okay because it's a new learning experience. And so as I acknowledge my pain, I also had to confront my pain and I learned that grief is actually a really beautiful teacher. Mm-hmm. And I I actually have this painting. She's sitting, she sits right next to my computer in my office because I personified grief because I was so afraid of feeling it that I was like, well, what if grief actually isn't scary? What if this is a part of life that can teach me and that can be with me as a companion during these hard times? And so I have this beautiful painting of this woman. And so I call grief a she. And there are these moments where I still get overtaken by these really hard moments. Or I imagine like we just had Easter and I'm like, I wonder what it would be like if my baby boy was here with us. And, And there's still really hard times. Right. But then I ask, okay, like grief, what is it that you want to teach me right now? Mm. Um, And as I'm able to take those things and add them into my life, it helps give me a a clear, solid baseline on what it is that I want and need to be doing to move forward. I hope you're loving this conversation with Ashley. I just wanted to make sure you know about something. With the Empower Her brand, we decided at the end of 2022 to close a lot of our programs and exclusively focus in 2023 on helping you connect with women in person and curating opportunities for you to get your people, the women that care about personal growth and taking their version of good and going for great, whether that's in their relationships, their career, their health, their business, whatever it is that they're working on, because the transformation that you get and the connection that you feel when you're physically together in a room with other women that get it is like nothing else. So there are two opportunities for you to connect with women in person. One is our Empower Her Retreats. These are hosted here in Denver, Colorado at my husband, Cena and I's Airbnb. It's called Peach House. You can check it out on Instagram at peachhouse.denver. And what's really cool about this is it's so intimate in that there's only 12 spots for these retreats. You stay together in this house. It's a three-day curated experience that's all about helping you get to know yourself on a super deep level, how you handle stress, how you handle 
handle seasons of growth, chasing your big dreams and goals? Like what type of tactical things do you need to support yourself? And of course, because it's an Empower Her Retreat, we make it really freaking fun. I care about connecting you with women that get it, but I also care about you making your one shot here on this planet really count and just having an amazing experience. So if you are interested in hearing more about our Empower Her Retreats, I want you to text the word retreat to 512-548-2728. Text the word retreat to 512-548-2728 so we can keep you in the loop of upcoming retreats. And then of course, if you haven't heard yet, our big event, Empower Her Live, is actually going to be here in Denver, Colorado as well, September 22nd through the 24th. We have some powerhouse keynote speakers coming in, but I want you to really picture, if you weren't at the last event, hundreds of women together in person, connecting and getting lit up like never before, having the most transformative experience. It is going to be life-changing. So mark your calendar for September 22nd through the 24th, and also be sure to note that tickets go on sale May 1st, so it's coming up quickly here, and that's when we have our flash sale for tickets for just a few days at the lowest price that they'll ever be. So if you want to make sure that you get the link as soon as tickets go on sale, text the word waitlist to 512-548-2728. Again, that's 512-548-2728. If you're interested in retreats, text the word retreat. If you're interested in Empower Her Live, our massive annual event, text the word waitlist. If you're like, Kish, but I want to know about both, text the word retreat and waitlist. I cannot wait to see who of you are going to be attending our upcoming intimate retreats and who I get to squeeze at Empower Her Live. Now, without further ado, let's dive back into the show. That is so, I mean, I said this to you at the beginning, but I just love the way that you speak about this because it's in such a real raw way, but it also still feels really empowering. You know, like there's just a way that you articulate this that I love like personifying it and like having like a painting of like, what can I learn from this? It feels more like, at least for me, I like the curiosity lens to kind of like dance with emotions. It just feels better in my body than like having like strict, like this is what I need to do, you know, like that masculine approach to things like this feels so much more flowy in a way, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And well, and that's what grief is. And I think that people sometimes want, want someone when you are in your grief, you want there to be one thing that comes along to save you or to fix you. But what I want to tell you is that if you're in grief, you're not broken. Yeah, There's nothing broken about you and you don't need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. You need to be witnessed and you need to be supported and you need to learn how to dream again and that you're safe too. And as we allow ourselves to feel the feelings that we feel, um, then it helps us know what we need because what I need in my grief might be different than what you need in your grief tactically. Right. Um, but being able to honor that and allow that for ourselves is so important on this healing journey. It's important in life too, right? Because like even you think of like business owners where it's like we're looking for the one thing. It's like, what did she do that got her there? It's like, if I do this one thing and I'm like muscle my way through it, then I'm going to get there. But it's like, you're so different. And the experience that you're having of being a human and like the contrast of the emotions, it's so different person to person. So I love just giving yourself the permission slip of like, what do you need right now? Or even back to what you said before, what do you, like, what is it today in this moment? So, so powerful. And 
I wanted to ask you about this because you did a post recently on social media about the different ways that men and women grieve. And for anyone that is listening to this, that's going through a season of major grief, and maybe they are, for sake of this example, they're married to a man, obviously person to person, even woman to woman, whatever is going to be a different experience. But in particular with men and women, um, how they're grieving. And sometimes people can feel like there's this disconnect in their marriage and their relationships of like, my husband is not grieving the same way as me. And I feel more alone. Like, can you speak to just your experience of all that you guys have navigated you and your husband and how like it's been helpful for you to learn about his grieving versus yours, that type of thing? Yeah. I love this question. And what I shared on social media about the difference between men and women's grief isn't just my personal experience, but it's science backed research on generally, right? This isn't a one yeah. size fits all every person. We all we yeah. all flow and but generally the the ways that men and women uh grieve differently can can make it so that we feel very disconnected from each other during grief. Yeah. Uh for example, men dig into work usually typically, mm-hmm. right? They they dig into work, they want to just go solve problem. They want life to um, move forward as fast as possible. And a lot of times they don't talk about it. They revert inwards and they process through their grief through throwing themselves at more work things. Whereas women want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. We want our partner to listen to us. We want our friends and our family to hear it. That's how we process. We, we process not to, and, and I hate this so much because I think that society, society is so uncomfortable with grief, yeah. which is why it's so hard to be grieving because no one knows what mm-hmm. to do. It's like you feel like you're on fire and everyone's just like passing you by pretending that you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but society, uh, often there's, there's this underlying like th- feeling from society that if you talk about your pain or your grief, that you're just wanting attention. Mm. And and so that that's something that can be hard for women is that women aren't necessarily wanting attention. They're, they're, this is how we're processing what has happened to us by yeah. talking about it. Um, another thing that a lot of times feels supportive to women is that we get, we want to be involved in rituals or memorials. Mm-hmm. Um, funerals are very important to us or, or doing things that remind us of the person or a thing that we have lost. Whereas men, um, don't necessarily, aren't necessarily connected to Mm -hmm. that. And because of these differences, something that can be hard for a relationship in, in the grieving process is that men are more likely than women to avoid their feelings, which will lead to complicated grief Mm -hmm. later. And, in our relationship, um, at one point, my husband was traveling a lot for work and he just kept like leaving, like it was his way of escaping what was happening. And I was like, I can't have you be leaving me like this yeah. anymore. Like, I need us to deal with this yeah. <laughs> together. And at one point I remember telling him specifically, I feel like we are always together. At this point we had, um, at one point in our grieving process, um, after 2017, we sold everything we owned, sold our home in Phoenix, and we moved across the country to Nashville, and we both worked from home. So we were together all the time. And I told him, we are together all the time, but I have never felt so disconnected yeah. from you. Like, like we're together, but we're not actually 
interacting. We're not together. And um, being able to talk about those things and to know that every person grieves differently. And so your grief is not going to look like your spouses or your friends and that's okay. But to talk about what you need and they need so you can support each other is a very vulnerable, honest way uh, to stay in your grief journey together. So do you think that like at that point for the woman listening into this right now that feels really disconnected, like at that state where you're looking at your husband, you're like, we're together, but I don't feel like we're in this together. Or I don't feel connected to you. So obviously the first step was like having that conversation for you guys, but was there anything that you did from there that helped you get that connection again? Because this is a common theme, as you know, I mean, you work with so many people in this space of like just people that just feel really alone, even in their own home when they're going through something tough, you know? So like what, what would be helpful for someone that feels like that right now? Um, I'll tell you what we did. And I, and I do want to preface this by saying this only works if both people are willing. Yes. And so my heart really goes out to the women who, who feel like they don't have that support at home. And even after hard conversations or, or like really being vulnerable with your person, the support still isn't coming. And I want you to know that that's not your fault. And you're also not alone in that. That happens a lot. And Mm -hmm. from there, I I highly recommend therapy together individually, um, being able to talk to your partner about why it's so important to you that you go. And and even then your partner could still refuse. But yeah. just um, there's a study that recently came out that uh, says um, that someone is more likely to go to therapy when they see you doing it. Mm-hmm. And so you can't control what your person's doing. You can only control you. And so move forward how you need to. And so My good. hope is at some point they'll come along. Um, so anyways, what my husband and I did, we started what we called check-ins. And sometimes they would happen daily. Sometimes they would happen weekly. But when one of us were having feelings that needed to be acknowledged or when one of us noticed the other person was just kind of off, like, you know, you can notice when your person's just off, even if they're not telling you that yes, they're off. for sure. <laughs> So what we did is, is we would say, like, he'd be like, Hey, Ash, can we have a check-in right now? And I'd say yes. And what a check-in meant is that we had five minutes of just pure honesty and vulnerability Mm -hmm. from both of us in a way that is not defensive in a way that we, that was totally safe. And both of us could say what we needed. And if the other person had done something to hurt us, or we were noticing something in the other person. That was our like five minutes of just pure safety yeah. to be able to talk to each other in a way that we really needed. And then to be able to have the other person see us for how we were in that moment um, and validate our feelings. And that was really helpful for us because it helped my husband and I get vulnerable with each other in a way that just wasn't happening um, outside of that because, you know, we're both working, we're both (laughs) just trying to get through (laughs) our day and, and just feeling, you know, sad at different times. And so when we could have one time where we came together 
it was very helpful for us. I love that. Just like creating the container, like the space for it, that sometimes it has to be like a little bit more structured so you can get that time to really like have that space. So love it. Okay. I have a question about like the journey of, you know, going through something really difficult and then getting yourself kind of back into a flow from a work perspective, whether it's in the corporate world or it's, you know, for you and I as entrepreneurs and a lot of women listening in, like, how have you, cause there are some women I know, and I've, I even struggled with this like first trimester. I was like, am I like narcoleptic? Like what is going on with me? And like having to like give yourself a lot of like grace and compassion that you're just a different person. Like how you can show up is so different. What has your journey been like? And can you speak to like, kind of like that ramp up season when you're starting to feel a little bit more like yourself, like, you know, a different version of yourself. Cause you're not the same person that you once were, but like, how did you get yourself to be compassionate as you're kind of ramping back up again? Because sometimes we can be really hard on ourselves of like, I didn't show up like this, or I need to be doing X, Y, Z in my business. And then we become our own worst critics and then we self-deprecate and we spiral downwards yeah. and then we're ugly crying on our bathroom floor. So how do we kind of avoid that? Although it'll happen sometimes, but how do we kind of avoid that? <laughs> I love that question. And I think that one of the ways that we can get that thought spiral is we tell ourselves what we should yeah. be doing. Like we have this invisible <laughs> <laughs> list of should be's that are very arbitrary. And a lot of times though, we base it off of what we see other people yes. doing. And so we create this list of what we should be doing. And um, then we start feeling really bad. So for me back in 2020, my after... Uh, we lost our baby boy, Jace, and I was trying to heal from sepsis. <laughs> My sole goal was to survive. Yeah. Literally. Was to get out of bed in the morning. Was to figure out how to heal my body that felt like I was on fire all the time. Mm -hmm. When your health goes, it puts a lot of things into perspective yeah. because you can only do so many things. And it forced me into this season of slowing down because if I pushed it too far – it was back at the hospital. Mm -hmm. It was like physical pain that put me in, in bed for days. It was mm -hmm. heightened anxiety. It was things that I had no business testing the waters for. And so I had to learn how to mentally be okay with the season that I was in. Mm -hmm. And as that has transferred from then to now, something that I have gotten pretty good at, but I still struggle because we're human, yeah. right? <laughs> we're human. Um, is I have really taken inventory of what I have capacity for. I have, um, during a really hard time of my life, and I actually wrote a whole book on this called I Am Here, but I created an inventory system called Clarity Mapping. Mm -hmm. And with Clarity Mapping, it asks me specific questions every day so that I know where to spend my energy. I know what I have the energy for. And then my intention for my life in that season of time is first and foremost. And it gives me the permission to say no to other things. Mm -hmm. um, what's been interesting is that I work less, far less now than I used to. And I make so much more progress forward yeah. doing the things that I want to do because I have gotten so clear of what my intention for my business is. And I think that that's one of the grief, I call them grief gateways. Like our grief can be our gateway to changing how we live. And that's one of my grief 
gateways is it has helped me prioritize my time with my family. It has helped mm-hmm. me live a very intentional life that is one of the things I'm most proud of, of being able to have my 10 month old daughter right now and spend so much time with her yeah. and in a way where I'm not just like focusing on when she goes down for a nap, because then I need to have all this work that I have to do. And not in a way where I'm bringing so much past trauma to my relationship with her, but in a way that that it can be healthy and I can be the mom that she wants me to be. Um, but that has started by me getting very honest on the inventory of what I have energy for and what my intention is in that season mm-hmm. for my business and breaking it down to bite-sized pieces of what can I do and what do I need someone else to do? And quite frankly, what do I need to just let go right now? Yes. Because it's not for this. It's so interesting because, you know, we talk a lot about like comparing ourselves to other people, but I think there is this real element of comparing yourself to a prior version of yourself when the circumstances were different that we sometimes Mm -hmm. don't bring to the surface. So I love that it's like, what am I just willing to be like, this doesn't matter to me right now. And like giving yourself the grace, but also being like, where are my priorities? Like, it's interesting because this has been coming up a lot for women in my community that are pregnant, that have careers that they love or businesses that they love. I mean, and I'm in this camp too. Like, so I'll take advantage of the opportunity to ask you this is like, you know, I trust that like a future version of me will be able to figure this out. But there is some anxiety that comes from like, how in the world am I going to be like a mom and also build a business. I've never done this before. And like, you know, how was that journey? Like when you actually did have your daughter and you are doing this work that's so impactful in the world to so many people, um, what was that transition like for you into that season of life? Like having a human that you're now responsible, you're like, I mean, I love your content on social media for people that aren't following you yet. We'll plug all this stuff because like you talk about just like, you talk about body image, you talk about mom stuff in just like such a real way. You're like, what is going on with my body? Like, you know, it's so real. Leaking out of my boobs. Yeah, so, what's that been like for you? Like, is it different than you expected? Like, how did you, yeah, like, how are you feeling? I feel like I feel really good right now. Yeah, today first, I should have said, how do you feel today? <laughs> um, no, but the first probably, I'm going to say seven months postpartum were a lot harder than I anticipated. Yeah. I, we had put so much focus and effort on getting her here safely. Mm -hmm. My, as a high risk pregnancy, I was going, um, I was, I was doing weekly shots to make sure she stayed in long enough. I was on daily antibiotics to keep my infection at bay. We were doing ultrasounds sometimes twice a week. I mean, it was like full on full time, not just growing her physically, but with appointments and the mental toll that that took. And there was so much focus on getting her here safely that when she was here, now there wasn't a plan, right? Because it was like, she's here. Yeah. And then it was like, now what? Yeah. Um, During that time, (laughs) I uh, had to do my final capstone for my master's. (laughs) So I had a literal, literally two day old baby. Oh, I got COVID when I was in the hospital, by the way. Oh after my not gosh. Getting- I get COVID in the hospital. I get home with her. I feel absolutely terrible. And I have a huge final paper that is due. Um, so just to start off that postpartum yeah. journey was it, was, it was difficult. And there's also a lot of hormones at play. Mm-hmm. And I, I 
I think that we don't realize that and we don't give ourselves credit. And sometimes it can be easy to be like, just push through. But mentally, um, my postpartum anxiety was through the actual roof. Yeah. I, I needed outside support. And so we had some doulas come and help. Um, my mom, my sister came and helped. And, and I'm lucky. I'm, I, I know how lucky and privileged I am to be able to have that outside support, but I had to get honest with what I was capable of doing. And so there were some programs and things that I wanted to launch at that time. And it was very clear, very quickly that it wasn't the time and not only wasn't the time, but that it was okay. And yeah. looking, it was okay. It wasn't the time. And looking back, honestly, like at that time when you're in it, for me, it felt like it was going to last forever because you're not sleeping. Um, my baby also, she had like very bad tongue ties and problems with latching. So she couldn't breastfeed. She had allergies that we oh, couldn't geez. figure out. Like, it was like a lot of things. Yeah. And I felt like it was going to last forever. And looking back, you know, she turns a year old next month and it go it went so fast. Yeah. And I if I were to do it over, I would have just taken my work and been like, you're going to go on the shelf for the next seven months mm -hmm. and you're going to be there when I get back. But these seven months with her, I'm never getting back. And not everyone has the privilege yeah. to do that. Like, yeah. and, and I think that that's where the conversation of how are we supporting mothers specifically in America who aren't often not getting paid leave and are often yes. not having outside support and the mental load that we carry. It's so much. And yeah. so if you feel like things have just gotten out of control, please tell your doctor. Yeah. Like whether it's medication or support from them so that someone's checking in on you. We society tells us to do more, be more, we can have all the things. But in reality is that a lot of times we don't have the support yeah. to do that. Um, and so I don't know, that might not even be the answer you're looking for. But for me, it's like some things had to be shelved. Yeah. And that's just what it was. Well, I think it's really powerful. Like even just two components of this where it's like there needs to be more support and resources for moms. And we need to be having conversations like this that that normalize like the hormones and the postpartum depression and the anxiety and like all of these things that like people feel like they're very alone in if we're not having this conversation, right? I've never personally obviously navigated through something like that, but even just us getting to talk about this, there's women listening in that are like, thank God someone's talking about this, right? But then on top of that, I also think there's a, an aspect of your story that I feel someone listening into this right now that is preparing for in the future of wanting to be a mom that's maybe a business owner too, that can be very aspirational in terms of like you worked hard to build up to give yourself the opportunity to have more freedom that you could say, let me shelf this for a second. I don't have to do this program. So for anyone, and everybody has a different desire place on their heart, for, but for anyone specifically listening into this, which this would have been a big fuel source for me listening to this conversation prior to getting pregnant, is like, I wanted the options. Like, I wanted more freedom and flexibility because I didn't know what I was going to feel like then. And being in this place now, knowing that I'll have the opportunity to you know, do what I want to do at that season is huge. So to the woman that's working hard to build that, like it's going to pay off. Cause like, do you ever think about like, I'm sure you do, but a prior version of Ashley who would look at you now and be like, damn, like, holy crap, girl. Like you like, look at how many people that you've impacted, but like now look at your daughter. And like, did, were you like tapping into this vision and like holding on to like, this is going to be okay. Or like, how did you get your brain in the depths of the hard to have the hopeful peace still. 
It's actually so interesting that we're talking about this because literally just last weekend, um, during Easter weekend, I was putting my daughter's first Easter basket together. Yeah. And my husband had gotten home from the store and she was in, in bed. And I just looked at him and I was sobbing. Yeah. And I just said, I'm so grateful and so proud of us for where we are right now. Like, I couldn't believe that I was sitting in the place that I was sitting in my home with my daughter asleep, my husband there, that somehow we managed to stay together through the hard times, putting together my daughter's first Easter basket. Like that was this moment that I never knew if it would come, but Mm -hmm. I had hoped that it, that it would. Um, There's been different times throughout my life where I was just like, is anything outside of this pain possible for me? Is there anything else or is, is this literally all, is this, is this life like just literally a shit show? I, and there were some times where my answer would be, yeah, this is all like, this is all. But then there would be other times where this internal pull to, to find something different, to experience something more, to, to have hope that there was a future that it's going to make me cry because to dig into the depths of the darkness, to try to find light when you're in the dark takes so much courage and so much bravery. And if you're there right now, I'm so sorry that you have to be so brave and so strong, but I do know from my experience with life is that the situation doesn't last forever, that there is still peace to be had. There is still hope. There is still light that things can change and they do change. And while grief is a part of you forever, it also opens you up to new experiences where and new feelings, you you become more compassionate. Yeah. It changes you not just for the hard, but but for the better also. And my life feels so beautiful now because I have the balance of both grief and joy. And I'm so proud of us for getting to this place. It's so important for people to hear because so often, you know, we have this idea of like, I want to be happy all the time. It's like, you know, you want to like be a human. You want to have the contrast of the emotions to make those like highs even more fulfilling because you know how hard those contrasting lows were too. And And on that, I want to ask you a question because I noticed um, I lost a friend at age 30. And I remember there was a moment a couple weeks after she passed where I felt really good that day. And I wasn't like, I didn't feel so heavy. And I remember thinking like, I, I like caught myself in a moment of this like extreme joy and excitement. And then immediately following that was like a piece of guilt. Like, can I be this happy when something really hard just happened. So can you speak real quickly to like the joy aspect of it? Like when that comes up, how to manage the feelings? Cause I'm sure this is a common thing that people struggle with of like, Oh, my friend's going through this. How can I feel so happy? Or I just went through this. How can I feel happy again? Right. Guilt steals so much of our joy. Um, Guilt also is the way that we mentally stay connected to someone. So like with your friend, when you're experiencing your joy and, and then you're thinking, Oh, how can I feel like this when she's 
not here. The yeah. guilt kind of brings you back to build this connection with someone who's no longer physically with you. And so it becomes this bridge that we tell ourselves, we must hold on to this feeling so we can stay connected. Because if we don't, it means that I'm moving on from them. Mm. It means that my life is moving on and how dare I move on. But the thing about grief is that we don't ever move on from those people. Yeah. Once you experience love, they're intertwined with you forever. And so we have to think about joy and guilt differently. We never move on, mm -hmm. but we can move forward. And we can ask ourselves things like, how can I move forward in a way that honors who or what I have lost? How can it be integrated? How, and how can they be integrated into a healthy way in my life so that I can honor the past while also holding space and honor for my future? Yeah. Guilt robs us of a future that is meant for us. And I'm so glad that you asked that question because this is such a common thing that all grievers go through at one point or another. Um, and the other part about guilt too, that I want to bring up is that a lot of times when we lose someone and I want to speak specifically to women who have experienced miscarriage or are experiencing infertility right now, mm -hmm. there's a common feeling when we lose something important to us. And it's the feeling of guilt. And we tell ourselves that it's our fault or if our body was different mm. or if we had done something differently than we wanted to have lost our baby mm. or maybe if we were built differently than we want to be experienced in infertility and we hold a lot of guilt. The truth about guilt is that it actually makes us feel like we're in control. In the grieving process, the reason why we feel guilty and, and try to take the blame for things is because our brains like to think that we have control. And so if we did something differently, or if we controlled this one thing, then we feel safe living in a world where that wouldn't have happened and it's not going to happen again yeah. in the future. That feeling is so common. And I also just want to make it clear that it's not your fault. And your, your guilt is trying to trick you to believe it is so that you feel like you have control in a very powerless feeling situation. I'm so glad that you said that because there are women listening in that like really, really needed to hear that. So Ashley, you are such a light. I absolutely adore you. Can you please like tell everyone first and foremost, like how they can connect with you? Is there anything they could do to work with you? Tell us about your books. Where to find you on social? Because I mentioned at the beginning, I also love, like you talk about grief and you talk about the hard stuff that a lot of people avoid, but you also have this joy to you, especially for anyone that's a new mom. Like, I just feel like you're a really helpful person to follow because you're just over here like, Wah! you know, like you're figuring it out as you go. And your husband is super funny on Instagram too. So anyway, tell us about anything that you're really excited about that's happening right now and how we can connect with you more. Okay. First of all, I am just like, I'm so excited because literally today I have launched my first program where we can work together and you can work with other like-minded women in our community. And it's, wow. and it's a masterclass that I have spent the past several years putting together, but it's called Pursuing Peace, 28 Days of uh, strategic tools to help you reclaim your life. And through these next 28 days, starting on May 1st, we are going to give you the tools, the toolkit, the roadmap, 
and guide you so that you build it for yourself so that you have a clear way forward. And this is for anyone who feels like, man, like life really isn't what I thought it was going to be right now. Mm. Or anyone who feels like they're always waiting for the other shoe to drop or anyone who feels like they are just in this chaotic season trying to balance work and life and it's just not working. Yeah. Come join us on this 28 day journey together because it's going to be awesome. And you can find all of the, um, all of the sign up information, all, all of the things for anything that I do on my Instagram, which is Ashley K Lemieux. And there's also a lot of resources over there about all the things that we talked about on grief today. So good. And also like you haven't done something like this in a really long time. So I just think it's needed. And for anyone that just listened into this, like if you're resonating with like the way in which you deliver information and the compassion and the heart that you have, like, I think it's really powerful. And like I mentioned to you, Ashley, at the beginning of the episode too, is like, I wanted you to come on here to speak to women in this community that you can connect in a way that like, honestly, I can't from my, from your own personal experiences. And like you have taken all that you've been through and you've chosen to make it into this impactful message and all and like programs and books and all that you've done. And I just have so much respect and admiration and I'm so proud of you. And I could just, I'm just thinking of like a prior version of Ashley. That's like, I'm so freaking proud of you. And I know to the woman listening into this, who's in a hard season right now, there's going to be a future version of you. That's going to think that too. So Ashley, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on the show, girl. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Thank you so much for listening in. If you love this episode, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with a girlfriend, like send it to her right now or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out. I am so freaking grateful to be on this journey with you, girl. So until next time, I'll talk to you soon.